This is Colleen Rodriguez from Wing Lion Creations, and you're listening to a special recap edition of the Long Beach Comic Expo with Thomas and Maiko. Hey, listener. Welcome to the Comic Relief Podcast. Hope you survived the experience. The Comic Relief Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your hosts, Uncanny Thomas Logue and Mighty Michael Moran. What's up, guys? How are we doing today? Good. Milady, welcome. Welcome, Colleen. <laughs> Thank you. Thomas, how are you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Doing good. Feeling good, actually. That was a pretty good uh, comic expo. Uh, not the Long Beach Comic Con. That one's in September. This is the cousin of the Long Beach Comic Con. The, the redheaded stepchild, if you will. If hey, I now. Will. Yeah, I think I will. Don't be picking on the redheads. <laughs> I know, right? Have you guys recovered from your uh, sleep deprivation? Oh, still not recovered. I probably never will. I have to say, I, I'm doing okay. My, my feet no longer kill me, and my knee is no longer killing me. What about your liver? My liver may need a couple more weeks to uh, recover. <laughs> You're no longer killing it. The question of the night, but why is the rum gone? Because he drank it all. <laughs> Without Coke and through a straw. <laughs> through a straw. Oh, my God. My you, so we were out at Long Beach this weekend um, helping Colleen with her booth, the Wing Lion Creations. And uh, we got to experience, you know, the usual Comic-Con uh, fair, cosplay, uh, all the vendors. Uh, I, I like to go to Comic-Cons for the comics. What did you guys like out here at the uh, Long Beach Comic Expo? What was uh, what was cool? There was a lot of stuff there. Since this was the first year I went last year, I didn't go because I was sick. I was impressed with how big it was. It was a huge venue. It was probably almost three times the size as the room we were in last year. Yeah, this this hall was, uh, it's like night and day, this, the, the size comparison. It was, last year felt like a Comic-Con that I would have gone to, you know, when I was younger at like the Scottish Rite Center here in San Diego, it had a, a very small time uh, Comic Con feel to it. This time, the hall was huge. They had banners up in, in the rafters, and it was a huge difference from last year. I liked it. Last year reminded me of a San Diego Comic Fest where it was in a smaller room. Everybody was closer. I like how they had the artist. Uh, artist Alley was essentially the core of the con. So the artists, which that's one of my favorite things uh, going to Comic Con, is meeting a lot of artists and writers and, and seeing people do sketches and and you know getting commissions work done and stuff they seem like they were the main focus of the comic-con sitting in the middle as opposed to off to the side as you would see in one of the larger ones. the uh, cosplay was really nice this year as well there was a lot of cosplay that's for sure especially on saturday yes any standouts there was a lot of harley quinns to the point where we started that game of counting how many harley quinns we could find i think harley quinn outnumbered deadpool yeah by far i hadn't seen before yeah most certainly and I there think... were go ahead no go ahead <laughs> no, the, the, I think the, my someone go ahead, milady. <laughs> I think my favorite was uh, Catwoman with the two little girls dressed as Catwoman. Yes, yes, that was awesome. And we suspect that they were the Black Widows last year, right? It was a, a mom with two twins because I mean they appear to be about the same age, all dressed alike. And we saw something similar last year, uh, but they were all dressed as Black Widows. Yeah, I think actually I went back and looked at some of the pictures, and I think the two little girls are actually may not have been the same ones. Yeah, I don't think I saw that one. What? Yeah, I don't remember that. 
I believe we have pictures. Um, I might have it on my phone, actually. There's still a few pictures I haven't uploaded yet to, to the album. Maybe it was before you showed up. I think it was, because uh, Tom showed up at about, like, 1 p.m. Uh, both days, hungover, most likely. <laughs> yeah, every time uh, at around noon, uh, Colleen would send me out with the with the hand truck to go get Thomas from the pickup area. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else uh, stand out? Yeah, we'd strap him down to the uh, to the dolly and, and bring him in like Hannibal Lecter, all dehydrated <laughs> with that mask. Yeah, <laughs> I want mask. some Viva Veins. <laughs> but yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention earlier that there was a lot of Harley Quinns, but there were there really weren't any two that were alike. I, I I am impressed with how many different versions of Harley Quinns there were. Everybody has a different take on Harley Quinn, and that's what's awesome uh, about. Yeah. The- yeah. It's very versatile, too. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. Oh, yeah. You had a classic Harley Quinn with the jumpsuit. Uh, you had this Harley Quinn who had the headpiece, like the jester's hat, that was like twice her size, and she had to like carry it around in her hand. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's why I thought it was really cool. Like, Even though there's just a few versions of Harley Quinn, everyone did something to make it stand out. Yes, everybody had their own unique take on it, which was great. Yeah, aside from the cosplay, we did about five interviews, which is always awesome. And we wanted to give a big shout out and big thank you to all the folks that we got to interview this week. And uh, of course, the incredible uh, Greg Weisman, who was a co-creator of the Gargoyles, uh, producer of Spectacular Spider-Man, animated series producer on the new uh, Star Wars Rebels first season. Uh, he's got some novels out. He uh, has a bunch of TV, movie, and comic credits. Great interview. Great guy. Was super fun to talk to. Joy DeCapua from Blackjack Comics, who we actually got an interview. This is her second interview with Joy. She was always fun, always uh, a great interview. Jason Beckwith, who I met uh, at the Artist Alley from Never Static Productions. He has a number of titles that he writes, and he's got some really cool concepts and ideas. And I picked up his book called Chrono Intel, which is really strange. He says it's a time travel book but without the time travel rage house guys of fire great 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 looking book very clean very nice artwork it's a international group of guys from uh spain from england from the states and everybody had a different role in uh, creating this comic and it looks it looks really nice it looks fantastic uh, colleen picked up a copy of the of the skies of fire and also Tanya Bjork, a friend of Colleen's and uh, artist, writing her own comic, her first comic, Havenhurst. So big shout out, big thank you to those guys. They were great. They were fun interviews. And, you know, we hope to see them at more cons and we hope to interview them again and keep up with them as well. What else do we got? What, what did you guys find, find or see or buy? You got anybody buy anything cool? Uh, actually, this is the first con I think I've ever gone to and I bought not a single thing. Not a single thing? I was just there to be a minion. <laughs> Not even a Coke for your rum, huh? Not even a Coke for my rum. I, I, I even stole that from you guys. <laughs> Did you really not get anything, dude? Wow. All right. Well, then how about you, Colleen? Did you get anything cool? Um, well, I bought Skies of Fire. I bought my kids um, some items. What items would you get? Um, I got them each a nightlight. What are they? What were the nightlights of? Uh, Me and you. Uh, I got my son. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare-inducing nightlights. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
my son Spider-Man and my daughter Wonder Woman. I got myself some hard socks. And a, couple, a couple pair of what socks? Harley Quinn. And then I got a friend of ours, a Josh. I got him a t-shirt. I Now, these, I, there was strangest thing. There was a booth for essentially weightlifting slash workout shirts that were comic based. So at first, at first glance, you think, oh, that's pretty cool, you know, whatever. But then you really got to think about how far comics have gone in, in our society where there was a booth dedicated to <laughs> weightlifting shirts. So we had, there was a bunch of muscle bound dudes rocking comic book shirts, selling them for that. And they were great shirts too. I, I picked one up for myself. The one shirt that, uh, that Colleen got for Josh was awesome. It's a little potted plant, uh, baby Groot, and he's flexing his big muscles, you know, like a, like a little kid. And it says growing, growing, growing stronger every day. That's an awesome shirt to be in the gym lifting weights too. I got uh, Thor lifting up instead of Mjolnir. He's lifting up uh, the barbell with weights, and it says Dost thou even lift, which is awesome. Yep. They were at BentCon. That's where oh, cool. I first saw the Groot shirt and didn't pick it up for him then. And then when you told me that you had got the Thor shirt, I was like, oh. I know who that is so that's why when I was walking around I found them and I grabbed that shirt for Josh the Groot one yeah well I saw I saw a big yoked dude like big buff dude shaved head you know typical kind of a meathead kind of guy and he had that shirt on and it was like I had to stop him and tell him dude that is an awesome shirt and he's the one that pointed me towards that booth he said yep that's my booth it's back over there and I had to make a beeline over there that was that was, that was pretty cool the only thing I have to say that was um, that I was kind of disappointed in is that there wasn't much stuff like kids' clothes. There weren't kid-sized T-shirts. Oh, there definitely wasn't. There wasn't many clothes vendors like at all, really. Usually, there's at least a booth that has these nothing but shirts, but this time there wasn't really a, a typical traditional T-shirt. Yeah. So you got the socks, the nightlight, the uh, skies of fire, the the shirt. Anything else? No, I think that's really all. Um, all I got. That's all I saw that you know to me was appealing. I was gonna grab another print from Joe Benitez but his booth was packed when I walked by and I'm probably gonna see him this next weekend at Tucson so I can grab him uh grab something then yeah he did he had a line quite a long line actually because uh, he just uh, he just released uh, issue four of Lady Mechanica, and it's been about a two or three year hiatus. From what I've heard, is he was having dispute issues with the, the publisher that it was going through. He had to find a new publisher and everything. So uh, issue four just of Lady Mechanica just came out, and he was doing um, signings and stuff of that. Interestingly enough, uh, Chris Claremont was also there, famous famous writer of the uh, Uncanny X Men, one of the longest uh, writers that the the book has seen. Uh, he was signing autographs and when I happened to walk by there was practically no line uh, the only problem was is that he is a chatterbox he will chat chat you up and uh, no line long wait <laughs> but he was still a very nice guy unfortunately I didn't get to talk to him by the time I got up to him he was being interviewed by uh, what appeared to be perhaps a podcast or, or maybe a website and he was answering their questions so I just got you know a book signed real quick and and was in and out, but I was I was pretty stoked. I got a copy of the uh, Uncanny X Men. I believe it's 157. Is that correct, Tom? That that is correct. It's it's a Phoenix issue. That's not quite a Phoenix issue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Still a great issue though, and it was really nice to 
to meet up with them. When you think of like Stan Lee and, and Chris Claremont, these are guys that are, you know, tenured. They've been in the business for a long time and they're still going to cons, they're still shaking hands, they're still signing autographs and chatting with people and taking pictures and they, they still got some energy. A lot of these dudes could do. Someone like Chris Claremont, I mean, he's been in the business for so long. Even if he stopped doing comics, people would still go and get stuff signed, you know, yeah. by him for years to come. Yeah, he could still rake in some dough on a, on a good comic Comic-Con weekend, absolutely. Yep. And plus, how awesome is it to finally see your work just explode into the movies and into society and into, and you know, into this zeitgeist of, of what's going on right now with comics? Is It's got to be amazing. It's got to feel really good. Did I find anything else? I got some pop figures for the kids. Frozen pop figure and, and uh, Attack on Titan. Or for what the you? kids. Yeah, for the kids. Right. <laughs> they, just, they just can't uh, open them or play with them or touch them. It's still my shelf. I picked up the, some comics from Blackjack Comics from Joy. I picked up their Phantom Hawk. Phantom Hawk 4 is an awesome cover. They contracted a cover artist to do their cover, and it's very professional. Uh, they also have another book called The Last Pendragon and Sunscreen, so I picked up some indie books, and I got my that Thor shirt, and I think that was about it. Can't go to a con and not bring the kids back something. <laughs> and I you know, I just grabbed a couple comics and a shirt for myself, and that was about it. Yeah, Tom was going to pick a Voltron hat up for his boss. I was eyeballing the Stitch one. The Stitch hat? No, no pop the figure. Stitch pod figure. Oh, the Stitch pop figure. I was I was uh, eyeballing the Harley Quinn uh, beanie cap, though, too. Uh, like The one thing that I wanted to buy, but I didn't, I should have, was the Flash versus Vibe, and I would have given it to you, Maiko, because it was Dude, classic Vibe. I have no problem with Vibe. I have no problem with Vibe. Except for the original vibe, which is just ridiculous. I see. I, I like what they've done with Cisco in the show, but they, <laughs> they've worked a miracle, essentially, <laughs> making that guy cool. Anything else from the uh, Comic Con? Uh, just that all the cosplayers there were extremely patient, extremely friendly. It was really amazing. They were a, an amazing set of people. Yeah, you know, that's another thing. Uh, the Comic-Con was set up really well. They had everything organized really well. They had the artist alley in Dead Center in the middle. It took up the majority of the real estate. Then you had the cosplay corner Yeah. Uh, where they had professional cosplayers in boots and they would do meetups and stuff and take pictures. And then you had a little section where they did old school gaming and, and Colleen just was loving the Mario Brothers <laughs> audio. Music? Coming. Yeah, oh, the music. Man. The coins. <laughs> the coins. They, they had it. Yeah, they had a full blast. Full blast. They did. They had a little laser tag area, an inflatable laser tag area, which was really cool. So it was. It, this was really. The floor plan was really thought out very well. Like I kind of liked it. Yeah. The, and the cool thing for me, um, being a vendor, is I actually got to drive practically. I was like one row over from my booth, so I actually got to drive in on the convention so, show floor and unload and and load up to leave. Oh my god! Yes. And that my... was really nice. <laughs> yeah. You guys have you guys have helped me load out at other conventions where I have to like walk to the truck and load everything in and then come back and do it again. And I think last year's Comic Expo, we had to they had to actually oh. go downstairs for part of it and or take the elevator but oh, sometimes the yeah. car was so full yeah it was brutal now the loadout from that show last year was way better than loading in because there was no ramp at the loading dock Ugh. And you loaded in by yourself, too, didn't you? I did, yeah, I did. Oh, man. And then the San Diego Comic Fest, we have to go, like, from one end of the, the little convention area, like, across the pool, <laughs> through the hotel. I think the worst one to load is um, probably the Queen Mary when they made us use the freight elevator. 
because the freight elevator was no wider than a maid's cart. Wow. We could get the dolly in and one person, and that was it. And we had to schlep the grid wall up three flights of stairs to get it into the room. Um, the first year we did it, that we had to get in the room we were vending. They since yeah. amended the contract so we can use the main elevators now, so it's much more pleasant. So last year's Long Beach was a close second to the first couple of years on the Queen Mary as far as horrible, horrible load-ins. Did you guys have to take a dinghy out to the boat? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you know, that probably would have been easier. <laughs> so, Colleen of Winged Lion Creations, where can we find your booth next? Um, well, March uh, 6th, 7th, and 8th, I'll be out at Old Tucson Studios for Wild Wild West Con. Uh, March 13th, 14th, and 15th, I will be at Condor Convention in San Diego. It's uh, San Diego's longest running sci-fi convention. Chad Cavanaugh will be out uh, with me at Condor on Saturday, March 14th, promoting uh, the map, as well as um, Mike Dallager from Dreams in the Witch House is going to be there. Very cool. Did you see that Chad Kavanaugh's art from Dreams of the Witch House was on display? Signum Crucis is is on display in Sweden. Yeah, I knew about that. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Very cool. I think it's really cool that Sweden actually has a library for comic books and TV shows. Do they really? Yeah, they do. Yeah, if you guys watch the video, Mike actually talks about that. It's a, this whole like library of like comic books and TV shows and movies and stuff there in Sweden. Um, the following weekend, I will be in Paris, California at Iron Horse Steam Days. And then um, that wraps up my March schedule. And then in April, uh, towards the end of the month, I will be at Kingdom Con, which is a San Diego gaming convention. And then from there, I believe the next event that I will be doing is a free comic book day with uh, jamie over at socal comics we'll see you there at free comic book day since we're going to be there as well uh where can folks go to see your uh calendar items and where you'll be at in the future they can find us at wingedlion.com let me spell that for you because it is odd it's w-y-n-g-d-l-y-o-n.com it's got our calendar events a link to our online store our facebook and our twitter pages as well as instagram and where you can uh, hit us up on all of those and where can they find us at thomas they can go to www.comicreliefpodcast.com or facebook.com forward slash comic relief podcast or twitter.com forward slash comic relief pod c and you'll find thomas and i august 7th through uh, 7th 8th and 9th 2015 this year at BronyCon 2015 <laughs> can't wait yep. i got my furry boots Tom's Tom's been working hard on his cosplay, and uh, we'll have plenty of pictures. Uh, we're thinking about doing the uh, drag queen convention uh, in Las Vegas this year. Do you have Los dates Angeles. for that? Oh, it's Los, in Los Angeles. It's, uh, Los Angeles, May 16th and May 17th. We're going to be at RuPaul's uh, Dragon Con in, in May, so um, I might just double up on my brony uh, cosplay. And do uh, your hopefully. sexy Olaf. <laughs> and I'm going to do my sexy Olaf. Uh, sexy Summer Olaf, uh, that's my version, so I don't want to see too, a bunch of sexy Summer Olafs out there, people stealing my ideas, okay? Go Probably on. not going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, we got Greg Weissman, author of Reign of the Ghosts and Spirits of Ash and Foam. This is Greg Weissman, and you're listening to Comic Relief Podcast. So we're here with Greg Weissman today at the Long Beach Comic Expo. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm well. How are you? Doing very well, man. Thank you for doing this with us. Greg is uh, co-creator of the Gargoyles, huge, huge for a lot of our childhoods. Supervising producer on Spectacular Spider-Man, producer on Young Justice. You're 
recently uh, have done the new Star Wars Rebels with Disney, is that correct? Yep, first well, season. Only the first season? Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice, very nice. A lot of TV credits. You did do some comics, though, early on, right? You did the um, Captain Adam yes. and the Young Justice. You plan on doing any uh, more comic books? Yeah, or? I'm doing Star Wars Kanan right now, the last Padawan. I did the Gargoyles comics, and I hope to do more. Uh, I love doing comics. And started it- in comics in 1983. I never really stopped. Oh, right on, right on. And the, the new Star Wars book, is that going to be a, a part of the official canon? Yeah. Oh, very nice. And I did see that you tweeted uh, some artwork with the, the two Jedis going up against the, the droids, right? battle droids. Yes, yeah. exactly. Pepe Lara's did that gorgeous artwork. I mean, the book is really going to be fantastic. Even if I suck, Pepe's work is so beautiful, <laughs> the book is just going to rock. I just started writing the fifth issue, the last of my arc. I've written the first four. Those are done. Pepe, I think, is just starting issue three on his side of things and I'm just uh, starting the script for issue five. Nice. And when is that plan on uh, coming out? Uh, issue one is in April. Oh, issue one. Oh, no. Very nice. Very nice. You mentioned you were doing some other work in the comics? There's a project I can't talk about yet. It's going to be announced shortly and uh, I'm always sort of pushing to do more uh, Gargoyles comics. Oh, uh, very cool. And, but I can't announce anything there yet either because <laughs> there's nothing to announce yet. But uh, I hope soon, someday, we'll have that going too. Oh, very cool. How about in TV? Are you doing anything uh, in TV? Any work on TV? Yeah, I'm producing a show that I also can't talk about. Can't talk about? (laughs) It's going to be very, very exciting. Just started in January. It's a new project. So Mm -hmm. for your listeners who are like, is it more Young Justice? Is it more this? No, it's nothing more. It's, uh, It's something new for me, at least. And then the big thing are my two novels, which, uh, I wrote Reign of the Ghosts and Spirits of Ash and Foam. And they're the first two books in a nine book series. And I'm very excited about those. If you're, uh, listeners like my work on Gargoyles or Young Justice or Witch or Spectacular Spider-Man or any of the shows I've done, I really do think they'd love these books. Uh, And you can get them on Amazon or at any bookstore. As a writer, do you like uh, venturing off into new grounds? I know you probably get a lot of people asking you to come back and redo stuff and do more Gargoyles, like you mentioned, Doom Warrior Justice. Do you like expanding your horizons a little bit? I, you know, I like both. You know, I fall in love with these characters on all these series that I work on for so long, and it's not like I don't want to go back to those things. I really, really do. I'd love to do more Young Justice on television and comics, whatever. Uh-huh. Love to do more Gargoyles in one form or another. But yeah, it's always great to start something new. And you know, what I love is world building. And so the new show that I'm doing is all about that. And uh, the Reign of the Ghost series is also about creating this world. It's set on a chain of Caribbean islands called the Ghost Keys. Features uh, a heroine who's this 13-year-old girl whose parents work in the tourist service industry. She lives in a bed and breakfast that her mom and dad run. And at age 13, she's already making beds for tourists, serving them breakfast, cutting bait for her dad's boat, and she just feels trapped. And she feels like she'll graduate high school and just spend her entire life on these same eight islands <laughs> with nothing these else to do. Tropical and, islands. And, uh, you know, she doesn't view it as a tropical paradise, which it is, but she doesn't think of it that way because it's, work. it's home. <laughs> what she discovers is, is that she's part of a heritage. She finds out that she can communicate with the dead. Oh, wow. And so she has a mystery to solve, she has a mission to accomplish she has a destiny to fulfill and it's full of the mythology of the Taino people who are the indigenous uh, pre-Columbian natives of the Caribbean. Caribbean they have the same kind of rich mythology that the Greeks had or the Norse had but they're stories that most people have never heard I was amazed at what great stories they had so I'm sort of trying to take those great myths and 
bring them into a modern context. So sure. there's a little bit of horror, there's a, a lot of mystery, there's adventure, action, comedy, a little bit of romance. Um, everything that you know we do in those TV series, I do in these books. It really and you said this was a, a nine nine book series. In theory, I've only written the first two. But, <laughs> gotcha. But uh, you know, if the first two do well, hopefully St. Martin's Press. We'll order the third one. Okay. And where can where can folks find uh, the book? Are you on uh, Audible? Do do you have the, the book online? Yeah, you can get it ebook. I mean, it's on Amazon. I mean, you can get the actual paperbacks on Amazon, or you can get it as an ebook. Both books are available as ebooks. You can walk into any bookstore if they don't literally have it on the shelf <laughs> the day you happen to come in. You can go to the desk and order it. But any of the websites like Amazon or you know Barnes and Noble or any of those can order it for you too. Now, are these the first novels that you've written? They're the first novels I've finished. That you finished. <laughs> gotcha. I have, on occasion, started other novels that I never got around to finishing. But these are the first two that I've actually written beginning to end. <laughs> now, how does it feel uh, finally finishing and publishing these novels compared to all your previous work in TV and comics? Well, it, it's tremendously satisfying. You know, I love doing TV and comics, um, not only because they pay the bills, but because... Uh, <laughs> I really do love it, and I love the collaborative process, particularly on an animated series. All the great people I collaborate with, actors and composers and artists and everything like that. But there is something very, very satisfying about just using words and yeah. doing it all myself and for once not compromising even a little, Sure, you know, but just doing it exactly as I envisioned it. Now, as you did this novel, do you keep anything in the back of your head to, to say that this might turn into a TV series one day? Uh, well, it movies? was originally developed as a television series. Oh, very cool. That's where we started back in the 90s, uh, late 90s. I was at DreamWorks, and I developed it originally, created and developed it as a cartoon series. Oh, wow. And we actually sold it to Nickelodeon. But Rain for, of the Ghosts? Yes. Oh, wow. But for various reasons that had a lot more to do with business than creativity sure it never went mm -hmm. so uh, I bought the property back from DreamWorks mm -hmm. and wrote the novel over a decade ago the oh, first book wow. and it didn't sell and I wanted to do a rewrite and I decided to put it on the shelf just for a little bit to get a little perspective sure. on it I thought let me just put it away for yeah. a couple weeks yeah. so like 10 years later <laughs> I finally thought I should really go back to that and finish it so I did a rewrite, and I'd been kind of, to be honest, intimidated and been procrastinating on it for literally over 10 years. Oh, um, man, so it's got to feel real good. Thank you very much for doing this with us, Greg. Greg, where can folks find you and your books and your work? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter, at Greg underscore Weissman. That's uh, at G-R-E-G -E underscore W-E-I-S-M-A-N. I also have a website, askgregweissman.com, one word, A-S-K. G-R-E-G-W-E-I-S-M-A-N.com, where I've been answering questions about gargoyles and Young Justice and all my shows for almost 18, 19 years or something like that. There's a huge archive there of already answered questions. So if you want to look up Demona, uh, there's a huge archive just on Demona alone or another one on Macbeth or another one on Goliath. Uh, there are also archives on Spectacular Spider-Man, Young Justice, which every other show I've done um, as well. And if you can't find the answer to your question, there's a place where you can post a new question. I'm, I'll admit I'm about a year behind answering <laughs> questions because I get so many of them, but I do get to all the questions eventually. If you're looking for my books, whether it's old uh, Gargoyles trades or uh, Young Justice trades or the novels Reign of the Ghosts, which is R-A-I-N, Reign of the Ghosts, or Spirits of Ash and Foam, 
You can find those uh, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any bookstore. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, we got Joy DeCapua from Blackjack Comics. Hi, this is Joy DeCapua, and you are listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. Your last name is pronounced DeCapua, De right? DeCapua. DeCapua. See, I, I'm, I'm Mexican, so I try to give everything like a Spanish <laughs> like, twist to it. It's uh, Italian. Is it? It's uh, of Capua, so a De city Capua. in Italy. Yeah. DeCapua. DeCapua. So I anglicized it. Because I told my husband, because you know, military, yeah. everyone knows you by your last yeah, name. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been about a year since we last spoke. Um, oh, yeah. And it was here at the Long Beach Comic Expo as well, right? Yes. You let us read the, uh, I think it was the first two issues of Phantom Hawk. Uh-huh. And it looks like you guys are up to issue four now. Is issue five in the works as well? It is in the works, yes. Cool, cool. So. And you've also expanded your titles. Uh, you have more titles. What's going on with, uh, with, with you guys now? We do. So we have Sunscreen as well as The Last Pendragon. Okay. The Last Pendragon is our British superhero. He is the last living heir of King Arthur Pendragon, is raised to adulthood not knowing it, and then something happens in the comic without giving too much away where he has to go on a quest to become the Last Pendragon and take oh. on that role in his life. Oh, very so, cool. And, yeah. and, and what is what is the role? Is, is, is he like endowed with superpowers? Or, yes. Uh, oh, cool. Very yeah. cool. He actually steps into that and becomes the Pendragon through his quest. Oh, nice. Oh, I see. So, yeah. and how many issues of that did you have? Uh, Just one. Just the one? Just the oh, one okay. shot. Okay. And, and how- then we have sunscreen. Um, so, alien entities, um, they're beings that their planet is dying, their race is dying, and they can inhabit host bodies. Mm-hmm. One of them comes to Earth to inhabit host bodies and take over. Okay. Another one follows to stop him. Oh, so, wow. that's sunscreen. Oh, and how, how far along into Sunscreen are you guys? We just came out with the first issue. Oh, nice. So issue two is in the works. It's actually getting inked right now. Okay. So. so the ape is about an archaeologist who is almost sacrificed to a silverback gorilla. Something goes wrong with the ritual and he becomes merged together with a silverback. So he's part man, part ape. He is still an archaeologist, though, traveling the world, trying to find out the truth behind different myths, legends, and the artifacts that go with them. As a gorilla? As half man, half gorilla. He is the ape. Does he does he look like a... Uh, he, uh... <laughs> he is larger than life, uh-huh. and he has the anger and emotional control of a gorilla. And he's in gorilla form? But still has the intelligence <laughs> of a man. An archaeologist? So, oh, yes. that's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So he, he goes around looking like a gorilla but he does studies and, and uh-huh. travels that way but we did this as a one-shot um, unfortunately that writer that worked with us on that title decided he wanted to start his own company oh, so wow. he left us Bummer. so we did just the one shot mm-hmm. one time the oh I see so there's not gonna be any more it's a complete story and we're not printing anymore so what we have on hand we're selling out of so if you're interested, get it now. Um, all of our other titles are available online for digital download. Yep. And you're, who are the, uh, the the artists and the writers for these books? Oh, goodness. We have a lot that we've hired recently. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'd actually have to sit there and look. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no problem. No problem. Um, we do have them listed up on our website, mm-hmm. though, uh, blackjackcomics.com. Mm-hmm. We have the writers and artists all listed there with pictures and a little bio. And can folks buy the comics from blackjackcomics.com? We actually have them available for digital download right oh, now cool. on blackjackcomics.com. But we're going to be doing soon print on demand so they 
can get them printed and sent to their house as well. Oh, so no way, really? They can get paper copies instead of just uh -huh. digital copies. Yeah. That's in the works, so it hasn't been set up yet, mm. but we're in the process of doing that. Gotcha. So for now, you can go to Blackjack Comics and download. It's a like digital that. download, digital yeah. Download? Very cool, very cool. So where are we at on uh, Phantom Hawk? It looks like issues, you mentioned issue four was recently released. Yes, we just came out with issue four. Um, and to remind you, Phantom Hawk is a super soldier mm -hmm. who is framed for the destruction of the program that created him. So he's on the run trying to clear his name as well as get revenge against those who framed him. So I like to say that if Batman and the Punisher had a love child <laughs> that had zero money, yeah. that would be Phantom <laughs> Hawk. Zero inheritance. <laughs> he's completely broke. Um, oh, that'd be a brutal love child. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a story of if everything you love was ripped away from you, uh -huh. how far would you go to get your life back? Gotcha. So that's what he is doing, is trying to go and get his life back and in the meantime, get revenge against yeah. those who just took everything away from him. Mm -hmm. Issue, I gotta mention, uh, the cover for issue four is really, really nice. It's an Oh, the artwork is great on that. Good Thank job. You. Good job of your cover it's, artist. That actually was my business partner, Nick Garber. Uh -huh. So, um, and that's really shows where we are going as a company now. Yeah, that's so good art. So we, yeah. you know, started out and things were a little bit different. And mm -hmm. of course, every artist grows and things change. Oh, so this shows the progression of our company and where we're going with our art. Oh, very cool. And once again, you can find these books on blackjackcomics.com. Yes. Do you guys have our, or you have a social media presence? We do. We are on Facebook.com, Blackjack Comics. Um, we also have a Twitter. We have Tumblr. So we're everywhere. Instagram, Blackjack Comics. Very cool. Yes. Well, thank you, Joy, for doing this with us. And uh, go check out their comics, download the copies, and hopefully in the future you'll be able to get the printed versions as well. Uh, yeah. More on that later. <laughs> and uh, thank you for doing this. All Appreciate right. Thank it. you cool. so much. Next is our interview with Jason Beckwith of Never Static Productions. Hi, this is Jason Beckwith from Never Static Pictures, author of The Tool and uh, Taking Eden. I'm very happy to be on the Comic Relief Podcast. Okay, so we're here with uh, Jason Beckwith from Never Static Pictures, correct? correct. Uh, comic creator and writer of Take Needin, The Tool, Chrono and Cell, and Anarchy Beyond the Walls. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing great. Having a fun time. Awesome, man. So how, how's your uh, Comic-Con so far? Been busy? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. been busy. A lot of interest in the books. Uh, a lot of people like one story, and some people like the other. And uh, yeah, talking to all kinds of you know new people and seeing all the great costumes go by. Always a good time. Absolutely. So Take Needin looks like the, the, the main book, you have that in trade format now, right? Yeah, we just hit issue six. This is the first show that we've had the trade paper book available at. Cool. And what can you tell me about the book? Taking Eden is the story of a small town girl named Marnie who saves up all summer to move to the big city with her cousin. Her cousin's a gothic DJ at a series of nightclubs there. The owner of the nightclubs is a sorcerer who's abducting young women, <laughs> who uh, and then he uses magic to extract their innocence, which he makes into a drug called Eden. Hence the title, Taking, Taking Eden. Eden. Oh, wow. Now, is this an ongoing series, or is this... It actually has a finite ending. It's going to be an 18-issue arc when mm -hmm. all is said and done. So the first six books uh, in the trade paperback 
comprise pretty much Act 1. Gotcha. I heard you talking with one of the uh, Comic-Con attendees here, and you were talking about uh, Chrono and Tell is a time-traveling book without the time travel. Exactly. <laughs> I really wanted to do something with the time travel genre because I've always been interested in Back to the Future, mm-hmm. Terminator, Doctor Who, you know, all those things. I didn't feel like I could bring anything new to the to the genre. So much has already been done. But I started listening to podcasts while I was driving around to these cons. I started listening to, like, Quantum Science and String Theory. Finally, one of the scientists said, you know, the human body is not well suited for time travel. We tend to turn to goo at the speed of light. It's, <laughs> it just, you know, it doesn't work out. Sure. But if you want to change the past, you don't have to go there to do it. All you have to do is send a message. And that became the aha moment for me. Oh, that's cool. And uh, so what I did is I wrote a story where a young genius comes up with the idea to build a transmitter to transmit light back into the past. He uses pulses of light to to send messages to himself. Nice. Uh, But instead of building the transmitter first, he builds the receiver first. And as soon as he turns it on, five minutes later, flashes of light start appearing from nowhere. (laughs) And he gets the first message from himself. Nice. from the future at the age of 88 he spent his entire lifetime building the transmitter <laughs> the next thing that he gets are the plans to build the transmitter so now he doesn't have to spend his lifetime doing it and then uh, cool. and cool. then he hooks up with another guy and they start to do things like stop terrorist attacks mm. and you know help out society oh, that's a pretty cool concept that's pretty thank cool. you that totally makes sense now when you say that it's a time traveling book without the time traveling that's pretty cool. And how about the tool? What can you tell us about the tool? Uh, the tool is a college-age espionage story with a twist, kind of like Alias before it got all weird. Yeah, right on. So it's uh, it's very much cloak and dagger. Uh, it's got a lot of that spy stuff, but it's not as big as, say, like a Danger Girl or okay. James Bond. The plots are a little bit more down-to-earth. In this one, they're dealing with uh, political assassination and uh, trying to shut down a political group on campus. It's much more relevant. I was looking at a lot of the uh, COINTEL programs from the 1960s mm-hmm. and uh, really wanted to do something with uh, with that because it feels like that sort of thing is happening in our society again gotcha. and then the title of the tool is not descriptive of the character himself he's, he's not you didn't make him like a jerk or anything like that um, he is a tool, he's a tool. <laughs> but uh, you know kind of unwittingly gotcha gotcha and uh, how about, what was the other one? Uh, Anarchy Beyond Anarchy the, Beyond the Walls. Walls. Yeah, That's my newest title. Um, we haven't quite finished the book yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, all the artwork's done except for the cover. I'm still waiting on the colors to catch up. There's a new artist for me that I'm mm-hmm. working with on that one. And it's my attempt to cross a uh, western with a fairy tale set in a dystopic future. Oh, wow. So it happens after the financial collapse of the United States, mm-hmm. uh, where already the rich are starting to live in gated uh, you know, gated areas and communities. Uh, in this case, once the dollar collapses, the walls go up much higher, and they end up taking over the cities, but they can't control anything outside of the city, so it becomes anarchy beyond the walls. Oh, nice. And then the fairy tale story comes in with a girl that lives inside the walls mm-hmm. and a motorcycle courier that lives outside the walls okay. and uh, the love story that happens between them. And then you don't have that book out quite yet? I don't. Uh, if I'm lucky, I'll have it done by WonderCon, uh, gotcha. which is coming up next month. But if not... Uh, you know, shortly thereafter. And where can folks find uh, the books to order or to read or download? I'm pretty active on Facebook, so if you go to facebook.com slash Taking Eden, you'll see updates every couple of weeks there. Uh, there's also takingeden.com, and uh, I haven't made a big marketing push for the other books yet. Gotcha. Okay.
Well, thank you very much, Jason. Thank you for your time, man. Enjoy your con. Yeah, thank you. I hope you do well also. Yeah, thank you. Up next, we got Ray Chow of Skies of Fire. Hi, this is Ray Chow from Skies of Fire, and you're listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. I'm here talking with Grace of uh, Skies of Fire, which is a book that was kickstarted last year, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year on Kickstarter, we raised about $15,000. We reached our stretch goals, and um, we debuted at New York Comic Con. Oh, very cool. Now, Skies of Fire, what is this book about? It's a, uh, oh, well, it is a diesel punk action adventure featuring massive air machines and duels in the high skies. It's a story about loyalty, betrayal, and testing how far you can push your loyalty. Oh, nice. And one thing that really jumps out at you, besides besides the format, it's it's, it's a different format. It's not the regular uh, comic size. This is You mentioned this is more like a European fashion? Yeah, well, we're a very international team, and that seeped into our creation. Um, the co-writer, Vincenzo, he's from London. Our artist, Pablo Pepino, is in Spain. Um, our colorist, Brian Valencia, he's in Indonesia. And so we decided to go with uh, square word bubbles and um, an extra large format. And our oh, colors, cool. too. And whose idea was that? Was that the artist's idea? Uh, well, it would be the creators. So that would be Vincenzo Firo and Rich out here. Very nice to meet you, Ray. I'm Michael with the Comic Relief Podcast. So, one thing, you're a co-creator, writer. You said the artist was in Spain, right? How far have you guys gotten into writing this book here? Uh, we have, so originally it started out as a screenplay, so we have the full story uh, mapped out. Um, but every single time we convert it to comic book script, we kind of rewrite a lot. So we have the rough outline all the way to eight issues, and that's kind of our first series, I guess, um, first arc. Um, and we have the third issue done up until comic book script formatting, but we know where it's going, basically. Gotcha. And I'm sorry, how many issues did you say it would, it would be, roughly? Eight. Eight issues? Yeah. And do you guys plan on uh, uh, putting it all in a, a trade paperback at some point? Yeah, yeah. Make it all um, in one big book? We're thinking either at four or at eight. Nice. And uh, one thing i got to compliment you on is, right off the bat, the art is awesome. The art looks really, really good. Your artist is uh, in Spain? Spanish? Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's actually an Argentinian. He just oh. moved to Spain recently at the start of the new year, but his name is Pablo Pepino, a uh, great guy out of uh, Rosario, Argentina. We blasted Jobs Wanted postings at all the art forums, and we just kind of sifted through the art, and so full compliments go to him and Brian Valenza, the colorist. I think Brian is really responsible for a lot of the look as well with the beautiful, bright colors that you see, um, and he's out of Indonesia. Oh, nice. Very nice. And where can folks find uh, this comic if they wanted to uh, to order it or read it? Um, the best place is on our official website, www.skiesofire.com, with one F. Um, and we have an official store over there. Okay. Do you guys have a presence on uh, Facebook or Twitter? We do. Um, it's facebook.com slash skiesofire. Again, one F. And same thing at skiesofire.com. Very cool. Skiesofire. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Is, is there anything else you'd like to mention about the book? Um, yeah, issue two is right around the corner, so stay tuned. Bigger very cool. And, and are you guys still kickstarting, uh, using Kickstarter as a method to fund this book, or was the was the first Kickstarter enough to keep you guys going? The first Kickstarter was enough to fund, to fully fund the production of the two first issues, as well as partially fund the third issue. We're currently kind of consolidating and thinking about what our next step is with regards to that, but we know that we will return to Kickstarter at some point. That's great, man. I really like to hear people's Kickstarters not only reaching their goals, but exceeding expectations, man. That's very awesome. Thanks, Congrats to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. And this is Tanya Bjork of Havenhurst Comics. This is Tanya Bjork, creator of Havenhurst, and you are listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Tanya Bjork from Havenhurst, uh, the Havenhurst series. And how are you doing today? How's your Comic Con going so far? It's going great. There's 
lot of people excited about comics. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so tell me about Havenhurst. Havenhurst is a story about a runaway and her two Damon familiars hiding out in the human world, and Fast catches up to her. Is this your first, the first comic series you've written? It's the first comic series I have written. And you, you're, you're a writer, artist, you do the whole thing on it? Letter, colorer, everything. everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. And how has that been? It has been a learning process. Yeah? It's been great. So prior to this? I have been writing stories so I can illustrate them mm -hmm. for as long as I can remember. And I don't know why it took this long. Like, I grew up reading ElfQuest as a kid. Sure. Um, but about uh, seven years ago, I was like, wait, if I do comics, I can draw more pictures to go with yeah, the yeah, story. Yeah. So I've just been kind of like cramming and learning about the art, you know, sequential art, formatting, lettering, like the whole the whole industry. Yeah, it's, there's a lot to learn. So you've taken all the things that you've done before and just kind of put them all into one format and compress it into uh, a short book, in other words, in a comic. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very visual. I love it as a storytelling medium. Uh, Haven her series. Do you have this planned on being an ongoing series, or is this a closed series? This is a closed series. Um, it's going to be ten books by the time it's completed. It actually started accidentally at a twenty-four hour comic book day. At a twenty-four hour comic book day. Yes. What was that? Um, that is that started as a dare from one comic creator to another. So it's come up with the idea for a comic book, and within twenty-four hours, have a completed twenty-four page book. And the the idea behind it yeah. is. You know, don't be scared of making mistakes. Just like do it, make a thing, yeah. and have a finished product. Because that's a huge hurdle for a lot of aspiring creators. They just never get around to finishing a thing because fear of failure, perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And and Havenhurst was the result of that 24-hour comic book day thing. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of came up with this character and her companion, and the story just kind of came out and. A world started building around it so yeah I've got this whole story that's gonna end up wrapping at 240 pages oh wow and do you plan on continuing doing comics absolutely I've got the next yeah. two graphic novel size projects oh, cool. planned already and are those set in the same world as Havenhurst or is it gonna be completely, completely separate different. Completely oh different. wow yeah they're all gonna have an element of the supernatural mm -hmm. uh, but very very different worlds and settings yeah you wouldn't consider crossing them over or having them all exist in the same universe no, no. I think I'll let them have their you own like worlds. It? Oh, yeah, wow. start from cool. scratch, make whole new worlds. Let's do it. <laughs> Very cool. And what's the next project that you're working on after after Havenhurst? I'm actually working on. It's yet to be announced, but I'm working on a three-part anthology. It's for, uh, creators from different countries. I'm representing America somehow um, on the theme of revolution. So that's in progress, and after this, I've got a story that's sort of like a supernatural, you know, swamp, uh, mm. alternate reality kind of a thing. It takes place in a bayou town. Oh, and I it's see. it's sort of anachronistic, uh, you know, it's like not really a lot of technology. Um, it's supernatural, it's very, very much under the surface of the water. Gotcha. Uh, literally. Got literally. <laughs> yeah, so it's going it's to be very subtle, but it's going to be a very different kind of story. Oh, cool. And where can folks find the uh, the book if they want to read it? I mostly just spend at local cons, and I'm working on getting these available online. Digital? And I've, yeah, and I've got uh, havenhurstcomic.com, and I've also got tanyabjork.com. Cool. And do you have a presence on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Facebook, Tumblr. Uh, I don't have an Instagram. I probably should. Uh, Google+. Plus. And they can just essentially find you by your name, Tanya Bjork. Yeah, yeah, very or, simple. Or Havenhurst. Yeah, very simple, Tanya Bjork by the name. And I'll put update with, uh, with new books coming out, where I'm going to be showing up at shows. Cool, cool. Anything else you'd like to mention about the series or about any of your work? Just, I'm really excited to tell the story, and I'm really excited to tell the next, and I'm really excited to see people excited about it, too. 
Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing the interview. Thank you. Very nice meeting you guys. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, you guys. Until next time, keep it real. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. We'll hope you join us next time as we continue to discuss all things comic book related. And until then, make mine Marvel. And DC. And independent. Don't forget to check us out at comicreliefpodcast.com or you can visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast or go to our YouTube channel www.youtube.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast and finally there is our Twitter page which is twitter.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast P-O-D-C. I'd like to give a special shout out to Travis Richards, who did the music for the Comic Relief Podcast. Visit his website at www.travisarichards.com.